You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of John. It is the lectionary text for this week on the last Sunday of the Easter season, right before Pentecost. And it comes from the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Friends, listen for how the Spirit may be moving through this body gathered here today. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me. They have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave to me, I've given to them. And they received them, and they know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. For I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. For all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? God of all seasons of life, you who has gathered each person here from all corners of the world, we pray that your spirit may dwell in this place, in this moment in time, that our hearts may be open to see life anew, to be given a perspective of Christ which transforms our very being, that we leave this place not the same as we came in, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts gathered here today be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to start by naming that this sermon may be the first time, you can fact check me if I'm wrong, but it may be the very first time that rap has ever been discussed from the pulpit of First Presbyterian Church. So if you hear me talking about that and you're like, oh no, just stick with me, stick with me for a moment. Let me get to the end and you can boo after, but let me get there. In 2018, while I was in my senior year at Florida State University, my campus minister, Sheldon, and I led a workshop at the Montreat College Conference in January, just up the road. And our workshop, we were super excited about. It was titled, Chance the Rapper, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, and Jesus. 
It hooked them. It was super popular, and we, it was the best one that was offered. That's, not, that's me being humble. Uh, but it was, it, was, it was awesome to see how many were pulled into that space. As we looked at these three artists, these three rappers who poetically told stories of their life experiences, who, while you know, maybe needing some digging, they talked about who God was, who they knew God to be, again, having to maybe sift through some of the dirt, uh, some of the muck of life. In 2017, in his critically acclaimed album, Pulitzer Prize and Grammy Award-winning artist, Kendrick Lamar, one of the people we discussed in that workshop, in that album, which was the first rap album to ever win the Pulitzer Prize for music, throughout it, he, he intimately wrestles with prayer. The album itself is a collection of songs where Kendrick vulnerably shares the struggles and the burdens of his role in the world of music. And he, he struggles with the impact that his words as just another person have on society. He talks about the weight of the call to be a conscious, almost prophetic voice to injustice and oppression to minority voices, to those who live on the margins. And in all of that struggle, all of that naming of experience, he's ruminating on prayer. Prayer is at the core, even if you gotta look to find it. On his song, Element, he has a line where he says, all my grandmas are dead, so ain't nobody praying for me. At the beginning of the song, Humble, a great example of one that you may not catch it if you're just listening to the music because Humble's one that is played in clubs across the world or played as pregame hype music, but he starts that song by saying, even a proclamation, nobody pray for me. It's been that day for me. Now the track, Feel, is the most ear-catching moment in the album when we think about prayer. The chorus is a repetition of Kendrick Lamar along with a featured artist saying, ain't nobody praying for me, ain't nobody praying for me, ain't nobody praying for me, and it finishes with the line, ain't nobody praying. The use of that repetition that's combined with the soft, mellow, almost watery jazz samples of the beat. They create this reflective vacuum for the listener as you lean in and, and hear that phrase, nobody's praying for me, and it echoes in your mind. At least it does for me. Throughout the song, we're taken on a roller coaster of emotions from Kendrick's perspective. There are these moments he uplifts where he feels doubted in his success. And at the same time, he's ridiculed in his failures, where he feels like society and the music world has placed all these expectations on him, not ones he asked for. There are these, these expectations where he's being asked to carry the torch and the burden of others, of entire movements, and it culminates in the last lines of the second verse, right before going back into that chorus of ain't nobody pray for me. It culminates as he says, I feel like the whole world wants me to pray for them, but who's praying for me? Who's praying for me? 
Ultimately, Lamar feels alone in the highs and the lows. He feels alone in his successes and his accomplishments, but also his failures and his humanity. He feels alone. Who's praying for me? Because everything about what is going on in my life and what's happening in the world, these things that I feel like I don't deserve, they continue to distance me from others. And I can only deduce from that that nobody's praying for me. Who's praying for me? Up until this moment in John's gospel, I'm wondering if the disciples were asking themselves that question. They're realizing that Jesus is no longer gonna be with them. Even if they don't quite understand it, Jesus has been saying over and over, well, I will no longer be here, even here, right? I am no longer going to be in the world, but they are in the world. They're receiving instruction from the very beginning of their following of Christ on how to witness to the glory of God that is present in and through Jesus. They know what they're called to do. They had a pretty good teacher. They're to go out, to leave their homes, to go and serve God's people, to heal and to preach. And most importantly, they're called to pray. And yet, they must be feeling the weight of that call they must be wondering, who's praying for me? Or at the very least, they're saying, please, please pray for me. The 17th chapter of John, it's the bookend of Jesus's farewell discourse to the disciples. At the end of this farewell address, Jesus will go with his friends to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he will face arrest leading to crucifixion so that death may be defeated in his resurrection. And as I mentioned here, it's the last Sunday of Easter. Easter, which is all about Holy Week, leading up to that glorious moment of resurrection where death is defeated. And then on the last Sunday of the season, the lectionary jolts us back to the moments right before the disciples' lives were changed forever. We're brought back to this threshold, to this transitional and liminal space, which y'all may be relating to now as graduates, the liminal space of Holy Week, where all those feelings rise up again, those feelings of loneliness, loss, but also great and deep hope John 16, right before this, it ends with Jesus saying, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? For friends, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each one to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you now so that in me you may have peace. For in the world you face persecution, but take courage, I have conquered the world. Jesus says these words to the disciples and he points to the reality of dispersion, to go to their many places. 
And he also names that that will be accompanied by a great deal of loneliness. He foreshadows the cruelty of the world that they already know but will keep coming. And he points to the world's power, to people's power, to systems and society's power to make it appear as though we are alone. For the world and the people in it, they'll have you believe and have you saying to yourself and maybe out loud, nobody's praying for me. But just as Jesus names those realities, he also fills us with peace and with courage. Just as we sense that void, he fills it with his love. And it's because his words of comfort and peace aren't the end. And I believe that it's, it's here, that transition from the end of 16 into chapter 17, our scripture for this morning, it's, it's there that is the transformative moment that will shape and define the disciples' future. And also our own. As Joanne was telling the kids, it's almost as if Jesus hears the voice in the disciples' heads, who's praying for me? Please pray for me. And it's right then, after he speaks to them, that he turns to heaven, he turns and he begins his prayer to God. And it's no coincidence that the disciples get to hear every single word of Christ's intimate conversation with the Father. Because in previous times, when Jesus wanted to pray with God, what do the scriptures tell us? He goes out on his own to a secluded place, to a quiet place, to be with God. But in this moment, sensing the realities and the questions on the disciples' minds, all he does is in right there in that place with them listening, turn to God. And everything about this prayer, every word, even if it seems like some of those words are redundant, who gave who to who and who's going to who, each word is intentional. Each word is personal. Because the disciples, they hear their teacher, they hear the man who they love so much, their dear friend, their savior, they hear him speak words of belonging. They hear him speak words of unity. They hear in Christ's prayer a blessing over who they have been, who they are now, and the paths that they will walk going forward. They hear Christ's advocacy for them that they may know God, and in it that they may experience eternal life. For that eternal life, as Jesus says, it's, it's not something that's off in the future. It doesn't come with graduation in high school. It doesn't come when you graduate college or you get your first job or get married or have your own kid. No, it's here and now. Eternal life is known through the knowledge of God. Verse 11, and now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, 
so that they may be one as we are one. The disciples may finish hearing Christ's words before the prayer, wondering, but who's praying for me? But after this moment, they know. They know who's praying for them. They're represented by Jesus Christ to the Father, to the three in one, who in God's self is very relational already at the core. And in this prayer, that relationship grows with each person and with each of us. Friends, we are in the world. We come here to this place from the world, this sanctuary, this community is made up of people who are in the world. And when we send from this place, worship doesn't end as we leave the doors. But we are called out to live a life of worship, of service, of love, and of justice. Guess where? In the world. A world which is a reality that marks our humanity and our earthly journey. For all of us, those with little and those with great life experience, we know the hardships of this walk. We know how easy it is to be pushed to the margins, whether by others or by our own decisions and choices. And we know the loneliness that seems to cast its shadow over our lives. There are times, I promise you there are times, if you haven't experienced it already, it will come, when we will find ourselves in a place of seemingly no hope a place where we're asking ourselves, am I good enough? Am I worthy? Am I doing this alone? That'll happen in your college careers or whatever that next chapter of life is for you. And it will happen after that too. Finals, at least one of them in your time in college will really make you wonder, is this worth it? And it's okay to cry, because I bet you will cry. I did. There's no doubt that we will at some point, not just y'all, but each of us here, at some point we will ask ourselves, who's praying for me? Because I'm in desperate need of connection. I am in need of love, of a hug, of the words, you are enough, of the feeling that fills me with a love to share. I'm in need of that, and I am in need of protection because I'm insecure. I feel fragile. I need protection. I need community. And the world, for all of its burdens in every corner of life, the world and the people in it, they will want us to shape our lives around the belief that nobody is praying for you. They will want you to believe, the world, it wants you to believe you're alone in that pit. That no one will ever come and climb down in with you and sit there with you not to offer a way out, 
but to let you know you're not alone. The world wants you to believe that's not gonna happen. But it couldn't be further from the truth. Because to all of us, and especially to you, our our graduates, this community is praying for you. Whether you're going to Wofford down the street, or you're going to DC, Penn State, or Auburn, this church is praying for you. Each person in these pews, the person in this pulpit, the person in these chairs, in the choir, and those not here, they're praying for you. This team of pastors who pray each of your names each week, the lay people, doctors, lawyers, teachers, entrepreneurs, electricians, veterinarians, musicians, from all walks and places in the world who know the struggle, they're praying for you. Somebody is praying for you. And even if you don't hear it, even if you don't know who, and and you're wondering, well, who is praying for me, and you can't think of the name, you may not know, just because I looked at her, Beth Lancaster is praying for you, but I promise you, Beth is praying. At the very least, Jesus is praying and has prayed for you. It isn't a statement. It's not a, we're praying for you. There's actual prayer. It's a fact. Jesus doesn't finish chapter 16, those words, and then understand the disciples looking kind of anxious and say, don't worry, guys, I'm praying for you. No, he senses that question and he actually turns to God and prays right there with him. Prayer is powerful. I'm sure each of us in our own way, whether recently or sometime in the long future or in the past, Each of us in our own way know the power of prayer. At the very least, the power of prayer to let us know we're not alone. For prayer is our greatest gift. To know God, to be connected to God, and to be connected to one another. To drink from the holy waters of baptism, to be renewed, and to receive eternal life here and now. You're not alone. 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 Ever. Pray for somebody. Because like I said, somebody's praying for you. Somebody is praying for you. On that note, let us pray. God, who breathed each and every one of us into being. God, you who has brought each of us today to this place, 
to be the community of Christ, to be transformed so that we may live and exude that love which Christ knew and taught us, that we may share the good news of grace, of salvation in Christ. We ask that you continue to protect all of us here, to bless us in the same way that you blessed us with the beauty of being made individually and uniquely in your image. Help us to see that in one another, that we can both say and act so that our people know you are not alone. Help us to reach out. Help us to be one, to share in that like-mindedness of Christ, that we may humbly discern and pursue the mission in this world that you have called us to. Help us to pray. We pray this all in the name of the crucified, the resurrected, and the ascended Lord who is with you now, Jesus Christ. Amen.